that we would recognize afresh, Lord, all that you have accomplished for us by your death, your burial, and your resurrection. This whole weekend, Lord, we can't have one without the other. Uh, Easter doesn't exist without the cross, and the cross would be worthless if there wasn't a resurrection on Easter Sunday. And so, uh, Lord, help us to see the big picture as we break it down piece by piece and bite by bite. And Lord, we love you. Thank you so much for loving us. Thank you for dying for us. Thank you for being raised again for us. Proof that our sins are forgiven. We love you and we give you this time as we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, uh, in John's gospel, remember, you know, John, in John chapter 1, verse 29, when John saw Jesus coming to him. He said, the next day John saw Jesus coming and he said, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I just want you to focus on the lamb because we think about the cross on Good Friday, the lamb of God. Jesus is the lamb of God. In the book of Revelation, you remember John gets a revelation of God and his revelation, if you remember at the beginning, he sees him as what? As the lion of the tribe of Judah, right? I mean, he sees this magnificent picture and we've shared this, that Jesus came as the lamb of God but he's coming back as what? The lion of the tribe of Judah. And so he came in his first advent in, in grace and mercy and, and forgiveness, offering it to all who would receive him. But when he comes back, he's coming back in judgment, right? The scriptures tell us that judgment will begin where? In the house of God. And you, people go, why doesn't he begin in the world? You go, because the world's already been judged. You know, see, people they get this wrong with condemnation. They said, there's no condemnation. No, there's only not condemnation for those that are in Christ. The world's already been condemned read John chapter 3, he makes it perfectly clear to us. So here in, in John's revelation that, that Jesus gives him, and understand this, this isn't John telling us about a revelation that he had, he's telling us about a revelation Jesus gave to him, remember? He, Jesus said, write these things down, right? For what I'm telling you is what? Faithful and true. So John sees him as the lion. But then all of a sudden in chapter 4, he gets invited up into heaven. We, we think of that as the rapture of the church, right? And then John shows him a scene. And in chapter 5, in verse 6 in Revelation, he says, And I looked, and he says, And behold, in the midst of the throne and the four living creatures in the midst of the elders stood the lamb as though it had been slain. Wow, and you think, the, the lamb in heaven that's been slain? He says, Having seven horns and seven eyes, which are seven spirits of God sent out in all the earth. And then in chapter 13, it goes on. It says, and all who dwell on the earth will worship him whose names have not been written in the book of life of the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And you think about this, you go, the lamb of God. And you go, what, what, is it, what are we talking about? You go, God didn't have a plan B. So often people will think that, you know, the cross is God's plan B. That his, his plan was just, you know, that we were going to live in Eden and that was it. And we messed up and you go, Man, it, it's so much deeper than that because he says that the lamb who was slain, when? It says before the foundations of the world ever were. Try to wrap your mind around that one. Before the foundation of the world ever was. This was God's plan. The cross was always God's plan A. It was never plan B. And then, like I said, we'll spend all eternity in the sense trying to figure that one out. And so when we celebrate, you know, Good Friday and we celebrate Easter, we're, we're celebrating events that took place over 2,000 years ago that we see, right? But it really, in the heart of God, they took place before, in all eternity, 
before the world ever even has begun. But the beauty of this, when we think about you know, the cross 2,000 years ago, the power of it, the proof of, of our forgiveness, you know, what Jesus suffered through, you, you go, well, how does it all come together? Well, you know, why, why isn't something else, you know, why do we keep going back? And people go, I can't believe that you guys, you really, you're celebrating this 2,000 years? This is something 2,000 years ago. You can't improve upon it. That's what the writer of Hebrews says. If you're looking for someone else, they're not coming. This is the best that God has to offer. It's the only plan. This is his plan A. Josephus tells us that in the time of Christ, at the Passover, over 250,000 lambs were slaughtered. While Jesus was dying on the cross, the Jews were slaughtering lambs. 250,000. says that the blood would flow, if you've been with us to Israel, flowed down into the Kidron Valley there, just like a river of blood. But yet, what were they doing? Was that taking away their sin? See, and this is the beauty of the cross. This is what I want you to land on today. When you think about this was over 2,000 years ago that Jesus died, right? And we don't believe, as I was raised Catholic, is there anybody that was raised Catholic here? Okay. And I don't believe in transubstantiation. What I mean by that is I don't believe that, that Jesus, every time that we receive communion, that he literally becomes, you know, that body and that blood, okay? Those are elements. Those are symbols in the sense of, of Jesus, his death. It, re it reflects his body that was broken for us. Jesus took a piece of literal bread. He wasn't telling his disciples, this is my physical body. He was, he was demonstrating what he was going to do on the cross. His body was broken for them. He took the cup. It looked like blood. And he said, when you drink of this cup, he said, remember, this is representative of my blood that was shed for you on Calvary's cross, right? So you have here Josephus telling us about these lambs that were slaughtered. And, and Hebrews is, is great. I know a lot of our men have been going through a study with John in the book of Hebrews. And in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 4, it says, For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. So here was something that was taking place. Again, what was the law given to us for? You know, Galatians tells us the law was a tutor to bring us to Jesus Christ, right? It was in the sense was to keep us in line until the cross, until Jesus would come and be the fulfillment of all that God was going to do with regard to our salvation. And so here we have sacrifice was made year after year after year. Just imagine that, you know, 250,000, 250,000, 250,000, millions of lambs that were slaughtered because the, the shedding of blood of bulls and goats could not take away sin. All it could do is what? Cover it for a year. And so when you think about the power of the cross, you go, Jesus, then we read on in, in Hebrews chapter 10. And let me read this verses one through four. It says, for the law, having a shadow of the good things to come and not the very image of things can never with these same sacrifices, which they offer continually year by year, make those who approach perfect, then they would not have ceased to be offered for worshipers once purified would have not have no more consciousness of sins. But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. I mean, you keep coming back every year, right? And you're being reminded over and over of your sin. And you keep offering the sacrifice. And then you go, okay, that's good for one more year. It says, for it is impossible. And here's the key. It's impossible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sin. But how did John see Jesus? What did I tell you? The Lamb of God who comes to do what? Take away. He didn't come to cover it for a year. He came to remove it completely. 
Now, this is the thing when you think about justification, right? Here we sit today because of the effective blood of Jesus Christ, forgiven of our sin as if we'd never even sinned. That's what gives us audience before God, a holy God who can't even look upon sin. But when he sees you and he sees me, he doesn't see sin. He sees his son. We are covered by the blood of his son. That gives us, and as the writer of Hebrews would remind us further, is that what? Well, then we have access to come boldly before the throne of what? Grace. Grace. When? <laughs> Whenever I have a need. You have a need in your life? Yeah. I do every day, every moment of every day. Do I recognize all these? No. But Hebrews 10.10 goes on to say this, says, but by that will, we have been sanctified. There's that key word. We've been washed, cleansed through the offering of the, the body of Christ. What does it tell us there? Once for all. That's why we don't need anything other than what Christ, everything that is, transpires in the Bible. When you look at the Old Testament, what is it telling you about? Things that are to come, a foreshadow of the things to come, the cross. Now, after the cross, what do we see through Scripture? We're looking back to the cross. The cross is the central aspect of Christianity. Without the cross, we don't have Christianity. Without the cross, we don't have salvation. Man, we can jump right to Easter. You go, but man, to miss... <laughs> This is where our salvation, this is where it was purchased, was at the cross. And we do well to remember that. So on this Good Friday, God's billboard is still the cross. It was Charles Spurgeon who once said this. He said, you can take all of theology and boil it down to four words. Anybody know what those four words are? He died for you. He died for you. That, that's, that's the totality of, of theology. If I was going to give you a billboard today, this is the billboard I want you to see blinking in your mind all through the course of this day. Three nails plus one cross equals what? Forgiven. Three plus one equals four. Three nails, one cross, forgiven. That's what Good Friday is all about. God takes us back to the cross, never to lose sight of it. So when I think about the cross and you think about the statements that Jesus made on the cross. Let, let, me, let me just read these to you and let these just, just really percolate in your heart. If these were billboards, the first billboard that we would see is, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And you think about, you know, the second, you know, billboard that we see, Jesus there from the cross, he says, assuredly, I say to you, Today, you'll be with me in paradise. Today, you'll be with me in paradise. Then you think about the third billboard from heaven. Here's Jesus with his mother standing there, John, the apostle, standing next to her, and he says, woman, behold your son. You think about you know, the love, the care. First and foremost, from the cross, the very first words, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. We need to go back to the cross. And we think about, you think about in your worst moments. You ever been in pain? Said something maybe you didn't mean to say? You ever, you ever been hurting and something came out of your mouth that you go, man, here's Jesus suffering beyond what you and I are even capable of comprehending, all right? And the Bible says, you know, David was teaching last Sunday, you know, about the triumphal entry, you know, into into 
uh, Jerusalem there. And here's, here's Jesus praying in the garden. And he's perspiring blood drops. You know, science tells us that, you know, that literally he was suffering so much anguish that, that he literally was perspiring blood pouring from his face where he prayed. He said, Father, if there's any way for this cup to pass for me, not my will, but thine be done. Knowing what the cross was going to bring about. Separation from his heavenly father. And yet here he is on the cross going about his captors, about the people who tortured him. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. You read that in the Greek language. It says they knew exactly what they were doing. They didn't understand the magnitude of what they were doing. They did not understand, as Paul would write, they did not understand that they were killing the son of glory. Had they known that, Paul said they wouldn't have done it. But they didn't know. And he's still praying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Here from the cross, woman, behold your son. And yet, beyond really our comprehension, still mysterious in this, the fulfillment of Psalm 22, the fourth billboard that we see from the cross is Jesus going, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Eli, Eli, Sabachthani, why have you forsaken me? In that moment, what Jesus went through on the cross, not just for me, but because of me. The innocent for the guilty. That he, as Larry was praying in, in worship, that he who knew no sin became sin for us. Man, we can't lose sight of that. It helps keep our heart in check. The fifth billboard that we see in heaven we see Jesus' humanity, his deity from the cross. He was God. He said, no one takes my life from me, but I lay my life down that I would take it up again. But here he is. He still, he says, I thirst. Remember, they came, they offered him first some painkiller, vinegar mixed with some painkiller, and he refused it because he was going to experience the full blend of the cross. It wasn't taking the easy way out. And yet got to the point where he couldn't even speak any longer. He was so parched, so so drained, so dehydrated from this. He says, I thirst. We see the humanness of the cross there. And then he speaks these words, the sixth billboard. It is finished. It is finished. The work that he had come to do was complete. Again, no one took his life from him. He laid his life down that he could take it up again. He did that for me and for you. I shared with you, you know, previously studying this chapter, you know, Greg Laurie writes this. He said, the cross was the goal of Jesus from the very beginning. His birth was so there would be his death. The incarnation was for our atonement. He was born to die so that we might live. And when he had accomplished that purpose, he had come to fulfill. He summed it up with a single word, finished. And that's what he did. It was complete. And the reason that's so important is because it's complete. It's finished. You can't add to it. You can't take away from it. You can rest in it today. You can trust in it. It's secure. And it goes back to, you know, then the very beginning. And I love, you know, as and you think about why is Good Friday Good Friday and what makes Good Friday so, so good, actually it makes it great, <laughs> is that his sins were transferred from you and me to him. Like I said, in 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says, for he made him, he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, 
that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And when he died on the cross, that was finished. And the last billboard from heaven, when Jesus had finished the work that he came to do, he says, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. When there was nothing left to accomplish, that's why he's done. It says on the sixth day, you know, God, he completed all of his work. And so on the seventh day, what did God do in the beginning? It says he rested. When Jesus completed the work that he had come to do, he said, it is finished. And he said, and, it, and John's gospel says that, and he gave up his spirit. Again, no one took his life. He laid his life down for me and you. And, and when you study this out, what you find is there's so much security for you and for me when I look at this at the cross and I see what he went through so that we could have assurance I mean, you think about the thief on the cross. I want to close with this. Forgiveness is so powerful. And, and the very first thing, I mean, from the cross, you think about that. You're, you, he's, he's suffered through six trials, three religious, three Roman trials. They beat him beyond recognition. And the first words out of his mouth on the cross are, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And it was that offering that forgiveness, we started to see it, the fulfillment of that. And I just don't want to miss this before we go, because that can still be fulfilled today. And my point is this, we know that, it, that when Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do, was God listening? Yes. Was he granting that petition? You go, yes. And you go, why? Because the very next moment, what happens? The thief on the cross, he says, Lord, remember me when you come in your kingdom. And Jesus says, today, what? You will be with me in paradise. That's so that you and I, sitting here today, can know, well, if he could forgive him, I mean, he had no, no choice, right? He, had, he, he couldn't do any penance. He couldn't be baptized in water. He couldn't do any work. All he could do was trust. And that's why that's there, because that's all that you and I can do. We can't add to, we can't take away. But we can believe and we can receive. And I love that, the power of that forgiveness and what it does in a human life. Reminds me of a true story, and I end with this. I'll invite the worship team to come on up. There was a story about a father who had a son. His name was Paco in Madrid, Spain. And Paco, for whatever the reason, he became estranged from his father. And Paco was wandering the streets of Madrid, and then there's a lot of people. And his father knew that there was no possibility that he was going to find his son himself wandering the streets of Madrid. And so he went to the local paper and he took out an ad and he placed this ad in the paper. And he said, Paco, come home. All is forgiven. Love, Papa. And then it said, meet me at the Montana Hotel Tuesday morning at 8 a.m. And that next Tuesday morning, there was over 800 young men named Paco that showed up at that Montana hotel, wanting reconciliation with their father, simply because the father took out an ad and expressed forgiveness and love. And they took, they were willing to take a, him up on that. Unfortunately, that story, his own son didn't show up, but 800 young men did. And the reason I, I share that, and the reason I, I end that, in what we would have today, is because it's the power of God's love, not his wrath that draws you and me to him. 
when we recognize and we know in our own heart, I go, I know that should have been me. And that should have been you. And yet, that God would so love this world that whosoever would believe in him, he said, would not perish, but have everlasting life. And you go, that sounds all well to do. And you go, yeah, but when you go back and you study the cross and you see what the people did to him, and then you see what their response was to him. What did the Roman soldier at the foot of the cross? He looked up after Jesus died. And he said, surely this was the son of God. And you go, why? You go, because he'd seen hundreds of probably not thousands of people crucified. And he saw when they were reviled, they reviled back. When they were spit on, they spit back. They, they, they fully, that Roman soldier fully comprehended. Do to me once, shame on you. Do to me twice, shame on me. That didn't happen. They saw the power of love is the power of forgiveness. And that's what the cross is all about. Three nails, one cross, forgiven. That's what we celebrate today. We could talk about all kinds of other things, but it's that fact and that realization is what will set you free. Forgiveness is powerful. And if you need it today, he's here because he lives forevermore. He says, and all who would receive him, he gives the right to become the children of God. Don't miss the free gift of heaven. Don't miss the opportunity afresh to celebrate that and to appreciate what Jesus has done for you and for me. So as we receive communion to send you out, we're going to just go into worship and um, we've got the table set up here and uh, you can receive communion on your own. And uh, my hope and my prayer is that you just take this, go study it for yourself and the power of the cross and all that Jesus has done for me and for you. And hopefully you can come back tonight, 6.30, join us as our worship that will be led by our youth and we'll go off totally different direction in all this tonight. So be blessed as you go. Let's stand to our feet and we'll pray. Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. We thank you for the opportunity to focus on the cross here this afternoon for just a few moments together. And we pray that as we go, Lord, that we'd go with you, that we'd be reminded as we receive these elements, the, the bread and the cup, and they, we ingest those into our body, that we, we're reminded that we're one with you and you with us. And that wherever we go in this world, nothing can separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. May you fill every heart or every home with that truth today for your glory and for our good. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We'll be blessed. Enjoy this time of, of communion, worship, and singing, and uh, have a wonderful, wonderful Good Friday because He makes it good.
You can 